So uh, last week we talked a little bit about the real Jesus, the real Jesus, and just a glimpse into who he is and what he is. And we really focused on the fact that Jesus is full of grace and truth, perfectly, all at the same time, uh, not lopsided like we often are. He's full of grace and truth, 100% and 100%. And he's also full of great humility and great servanthood. And both of those things we find as we come to him, and both of those things uh, we find in him more than anyone else, no matter who they are. Uh, he's going to give us what we need more than anyone or anything. And, uh, and he's, just, he's astounding in his goodness and his grace and his majesty and his power. And we're going to talk today about the fact that because of who he is and all that he is, we in him find all we need. And we're going to talk today about the real you. And by that I mean what your identity in Christ is, if you are already in Him, if He's your Savior and Lord, what is your identity in Him? We're going to talk a little bit about that, and hopefully that will encourage you, if you have not yet placed your faith and trust in Christ, to be drawn to all that you can be in Him, all that you can know by knowing Him, and all that can be true of you today from Him. That's what we're going to be talking about today and what I want you to, to know right off the bat as we begin is that everyone, every person, every human being, saved, lost, everybody, has only one true identity. There's really only two possible identities, true identities, overarching identities ultimately to choose from. And everyone alive, everyone born, has only one of those two possible true identities. Here's what it is. We are either chained to Adam or we are free in Christ. That's it. That's, that's the only identities possible for human beings. And everyone falls into one of those two categories. You're either, you either remain all through your life, sadly, chained to Adam and thereby chained to death, chained to separation from God, chained to lostness, chained to despair, chained to hopelessness. That's, that's what comes from Adam. That's what we all receive from our, our great, 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 dot, 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 grandfather Adam. We receive Death. We're born into death by being born into Adam. We receive rebellion. We receive a huge separation between us and God that no one else and no other thing can breach and, and tear down other than Jesus. That's what being in Adam is all about. It's, it's being hopelessly defined and driven by the flesh. It means you can't help but turn to sin. Sin is what you know. Sin is your very essence as being in Adam outside of Christ. But if you come to Christ, if you receive Him as He is, the Lord of all things, the only Savior, if you personally bow the knee, the heart, the head, all of you to Him, and you say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior, then what happens is that great chain that no one else can break gets broken. And so if you're, if you're no longer in Adam, you're free eternally in Christ. 
And not just far off in the sweet by and by, but in the nasty now and now, you also can experience the freedom of Christ every single day so that you don't have to sin anymore. You don't have to be ruled and dominated and driven by your fleshly passions any longer. So that's, that's the choices that are, that are out there before all human beings. I can either remain chained to Adam and all the, the darkness that that brings, or I can be free in Christ and all the life and light and hope that that brings. And here's, here's the thing, though. Remember we talked about uh, last week... Um, if you were here, uh, I said that uh, of all the superheroes and their secret identities, the one that I find the most ridiculous is who? Who is it? Yeah, Superman. Because, I mean, it's, you know, he puts the glasses on, he's Clark Kent, and, and nobody pays him any mind at all. He takes the glasses off, he's the Man of Steel. Well, poor Superman slash Clark Kent, he... He really struggled, man. I mean, uh, several times throughout his story in the comics and the movies and the TV show, uh, he lost his identity entirely a couple times. He didn't know who he was. Didn't know that he was Superman. Didn't even know he was Clark Kent. I mean, total amnesia. Other times when he didn't have amnesia, he struggled all through his life. Am I Clark Kent or am I Superman? Am I Clark? Am I Superman? Who do I really want to be? I want to be normal and human. I want to be Clark but I also really like having power, so I know I'm supposed to be Superman. And he, he just had this dichotomy and this, this dueling struggle. I mean, Superman needed some super therapy. He really did. Um, I, he, he had a, a, a crisis going on several times. And just like with Clark Kent and Superman and, and either forgetting his identity entirely or struggling with what his identity was supposed to be and what his true identity really was, we too, as Christians, face that struggle all the time. It's a chronic struggle that we have. It's a, it's a chronic condition. Um, once we become a Christian, once we surrender our lives to Christ, it's remarkably easy to forget or misdirect our true identity. Wouldn't you agree with that? Don't, don't you think that's true? Uh, and think about how long you've been a Christian, how long you've been saved. And think about all the times that you still unbelievably return to sinful choices and actions that Christ paid with His life to set you free from. I mean, just think about that. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? That's pretty much insane, to do, but yet we do it all the time. And when we do that, when we choose willfully, I'm going to, to actually go back to the sin that cost Jesus his life to free me from. Yeah, that sounds good. What we're doing in that moment is we're forgetting spiritual amnesia, our true identity in Christ, which is saved, set apart, redeemed, ransomed, sanctified. We're forgetting that. And we're, we're aligning ourselves with the former things, with the old identity. If we're not doing that, though, um, chances are we're frequently misdirecting our identity. You know, so, so we're either forgetting who we're supposed to be, or uh, just back to the amnesia thing for a second, or we're forgetting the fact that we have been freed from past sins and therefore also in Christ freed from guilt, and we might hold on to the guilt of our past sin, 
forgetting Romans 8.1, which says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set us free from the law of sin and death. And, and we forget that, and we, we hold on to those past sins and that guilt, which is not from God. But we, we go back to that, and we see ourselves there, and we, we view our identity through the lens of our past failure, spiritual amnesia. We forget that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things are gone. Behold, all things have become new, 2 Corinthians 5.17. So we, we do that, or we misdirect our identity by chasing after other things or putting our identity in other things outside of, in addition to, above Christ. We, you know, we, we can get so totally um, distracted by so many different things. We can define ourselves by different things. If we were to take a poll, if someone were to ask you, um, who are you? Well, what would you say is your identity? Chances are you'd have a lot of different answers. Hopefully, if you're here today and you're a Christian, you would say, well, I'm, I'm a new creation in Christ, or, or I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ. Hopefully you would say that, but my guess is that would be one of many different parts of your identity as you define it that you would say. You would, you would talk about how your identity is one as uh, being a, uh, a father or a mother, a husband, a wife, a teacher, or, or whatever your, your occupation is. And you would probably attach your identity to several different things, several different roles. And the thing about being a Christian, what we tend to do, is we segment and compartmentalize our Christianity and our identity in Christ. You know, in other words, right now, it's really easy for you to focus on the fact that, that you are in Christ, if you are today. You're, you're here in church. You're singing praise to Him. You're hearing the Word preach. Yeah, it's really easy to view yourself under that umbrella, Christian, right? But what about when you go through those doors and you go back into, quote, real life? What's your identity then? Your identity as a dad, a mom, a husband, a wife, whatever your, your occupation is in work. Are you doing all those things under the umbrella of new in Christ, ransomed in Christ, redeemed by Christ, Christian? Are you, you being a husband and a wife and a, and a father and a mother and a child and a worker through or under your identity in Christ, or is it separate and outside of that? See, that's how we often go about it. We do life on our own. We do life for ourselves. We do life in this way and in that way, and we, we chase after all these different ways of going about life and living instead of funneling everything through our one overall truest of all identities as one who is in Christ. And for the person that receives their new identity from Jesus, they're no longer chained to Adam like we said at the beginning. They're free in Christ. The question then becomes, for all of us, am I operating from that identity or not? Am I living out of that, that identity in Christ? My, my being found in Jesus? 
Is that what anchors me? And is that what drives me? Is that what defines me? And every part of my life, is that what speaks into the, my role as a husband or as a dad? Is that what speaks into my role as a, as a manager or one under management? Is that what speaks into my decision in what I buy and purchase and put my money toward? Is that what speaks into how I uh, occupy my time and what I do with my time and what I do with my, my habits and what all of my rhythms of life are dictated by, is it, is it my identity in Jesus? Does that superimpose over everything else? Or do I allow that to be put in that box over there? And then I go and I do these other things and I live through the lens of other things. That's the question we all have to ask. Am I forgetting that identity? And am I choosing to operate instead from the former identity? The identity tied to Adam, to fallenness. That's the question that every Christian has to ask. Because all of our distractions, and let's face it, there are a multitude of distractions coming at us every moment, every day, lightning fast. Distraction after distraction after distraction. Life is full of distraction. And so, we have all of our distractions, our full plate of obligations, which we all have. I mean, probably you're having a hard time just being in this moment because your mind is going so fast with all the things you still have to do today ahead of the week even starting. We have this full plate of obligations and responsibilities. And then there's others' expectations that you pile on top of all that. So we've got distractions. We've got a full plate of obligations. Then we have others' expectations of us. Whew! No wonder we're so tired all the time. No wonder we're so weighed down all the time. Right? And all those things can just so easily interfere with the transmission of truth, that the voice of truth wants to and faithfully does proclaim and speak to us if we will just, if we'll just listen, if we'll just hear the voice of truth, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth through Christ is constantly speaking into us, into our mind and our heart, who and what we are in Christ if we'll listen, if we'll let Him, if we'll tune to His voice. But all those other things have this way of drowning out that transmission, the transmission of truth. And that's why we, church, need to constantly pray, Lord, Lord Jesus, tune my heart to You and all I am in You. Tune my heart to You and all I am in You. Tune my heart to You and all that is true of me because of You. See, this, this reality that we have as Christians, this identity that is given to us, it's not because we're just so good. It's not something we manufacture on our own. It's not something that comes about from just trying a little harder. Our identity in Christ is because of Christ. And it's from Him. So we need to pray, tune my heart to you, Jesus. Let me see you as you are, all that you are. And tune my heart to all I am in you and because of you. And one of the greatest passages in all of the Bible that tell us that, that show us that, that describe all that we are in Jesus is found in Ephesians chapter 1. And so I want you to turn there with me. Look at that with me. Ephesians 1, 
and we'll look at verses 3 through 14. Okay, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Now, here's a disclaimer before we get into this. I want you to hear me. Everybody listen. This is not one of those passages where you can just sit back and be like, oh, isn't that nice? Hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's really good. No, this is one of those passages where it's like your favorite team that everybody counted out just won the championship. This is you just were given $10 million. This is you go home and you find your kids have cleaned your entire house for you. Okay, what would you, how would your reaction be? What would it be? Well, oh, forgetting disbelief. It happened. It's real. What would your reaction be? Let's practice a little bit. Would it be, oh, that's good. Thank you. Or would it be, woo! What would it be? Everybody. Yes, all right, that's good for being Baptist. I'll take it. I'll take it. So just, just know, know that, that this is the kind of passage that should absolutely fill you with enthusiasm and excitement and passion. I mean, not just for passion's sake, but because what you're reading about yourself is, is absolutely true, and it's true for every moment of every day, not just while you're here in these chairs. This is a truth that no one else can provide for you. This is a truth you could never earn or have on your own. It's been given to you by Jesus himself, and this just should absolutely be dynamite for you today, okay? So keep that in mind as we go into this. All right, here we go. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, insert your name in there, okay? You, me, who has blessed us in Christ, and I don't know if you have the habit of underlining in your Bible, but now would be a good time to start. If you have a, a digital uh, copy of God's Word through your phone or tablet, and you're in version, they have a nice little highlighting tool. This would be a time to do it. If, if you don't ever do it in any other passage, do it here. Every time you see in Christ, and something that we have because of Him, or, or by being in Him, this is our identity that it's talking about, guys. In Christ, speaking of who we are in Him, and us being in Him, and then this amazing, fantastic thing that's true of us because we're in Christ. So every time you see that, I just want to encourage you, highlight it, circle it, something, all right? Who has blessed us, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every Spiritual blessing. In other words, if there is a blessing you and I could have and know and enjoy, it's been given to us in Jesus. If there's a blessing that God the Father wants us to have, He's given it to us in Jesus. You don't have to go chase after a second blessing or third blessing or fourth blessing. No, everything God wants you to have as His child in Christ, He's given you in Christ. And it's not just a physical or, or temporary or temporal blessing. No, this is a spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, which means it outlasts anything and everything. I mean, we like physical blessings, right? We like physical provision. I like having a roof over my head. I like having a car I can drive. I like having clothes. And I, and I know you're, you like that I have clothes. And, you know, we, we have all these physical blessings that we we have and we enjoy, and they're great. But all that is physical fades away. Everything. 
your physical condition. Maybe, maybe some of you find your identity uh, in making yourself the best you possible, and, and you're just driven to look your best and, and just always be at the top of your game, and so maybe the physical is what you find your identity in. Okay, that's, that might work for you for a little bit, but at some point that's going to fade, right? Um, maybe you're going after more stuff, more provision, more physical things, and amassing treasure for yourself. And there's nothing wrong with working hard and, and making a nice life for yourself, but if that's what you attach your identity to, you're wrong, and you're missing out on everything else that God has for you because all this is going to burn. So it's far better that we have every spiritual blessing beyond the physical in the heavenly places as Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 6, the treasure there, no thief can break in and steal, no rust can destroy, no moth can eat up. It's all incorruptible. And so we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him, So the Father choosing us in the Son, Jesus, before the foundation of the world. That means that God in all of His sovereignty and in all of His wisdom and His majesty saw you before there was you. And He knew all that you were going to be and all that you were going to do and all your foolishness and all your pride and all your selfishness, all that you would have that is in no way something that should make the glorious, perfect God want you. And yet, He chose you in Christ. The salvation you have today, if you are sitting here as a follower of Christ, one who gave your life to Christ, before you even made that commitment, the Father chose you to make that commitment. Before the foundation of the world. And here's the purpose of that. Look at what it says. That, so he chose us in him, in Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that, or, or so that, for the purpose of, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So the, the Father, in his, his unmatched wisdom and, and perfect plan and sovereignty, didn't just choose you for salvation. He chose you for salvation so that you would be able to be holy and blameless before him. Remember that's that identity thing? When you're in Adam, that's your identity. You can't be holy and blameless no matter how much you try. When you're in Christ, though, you're free in Him. You're free to be holy and blameless. You're empowered to do it. And that's what the Father has chosen us to do. And then it just keeps getting better. It just keeps getting better. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons. That also includes daughters. Through Jesus Christ. There's another in Him concept. Think about this. We, we know from other scripture, we are born into sin. We're born into Adam. Therefore, we're born in rebellion against God. Paul says in Romans, we are enemies of God naturally in our flesh. And yet, here what this says is, God looked at His enemies, those that were in rebellion against Him, and He said, you know what? I'm going to actually... I'm not going to give them the judgment they deserve. I'm not going to pour out my wrath on them, even though that's what's right. I'm going to actually do something that no one would ever see coming. It's going to blow everybody's mind, both on earth and in heaven. The angels themselves are going to say, what? I'm going to adopt my enemies. I'm actually going to, I'm going to send my son. He's going to die for my enemies and for their sin and for their rebellion. He's going to give them their righteousness, and I'm going to graft them into my family. 
mind blown. And, and what this, you got to understand some context too with Paul. He's speaking to a, a very Roman culture, right? This is the time of Rome. The Roman Empire is everywhere. And there was a practice, it was very rare, but it happened, where the Roman Caesars, the Roman emperors, would adopt a non-royal person into their family. And when that happened, everything about that person's past, their former identity, their name, their debt that they had, their crimes, all of it went away. It was all canceled. And they became, from that point on, 100% part of Caesar's household. They were given a new name. They were given a new title. They were given a new life. And that's what Paul is talking about here. That's what happened to everybody in Christ. Friend, if you are in Christ today, if Jesus is your Savior and Lord, you have been given a new name, a new identity, a new destiny, a new calling, and you've been given God Almighty as your very Father. All in Christ. So, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, not according to anything that we deserve or could bring to the table. No, according to His own purposes, His good pleasure, His will. Verse 6, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us, here we go again, in the Beloved. That's speaking of Jesus. In Him, there's another place to underline, we have redemption through His blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. We've been bought back. We who were in in the, the slavery and in the prison of sin and self, we have been purchased out of that. We've been restored into a right relationship with God that was lost at the garden with, with Adam and Eve. We've been restored to that. We've been brought back to Him. And the, the cost was infinitely more than we can imagine. It was through the very blood of the Beloved One. The very blood of Jesus was the price, the payment for our redemption. Free to us, unbelievably costly to him. And that's what we have in Jesus. And then he, gets, he goes on. Uh, he says the, the riches of his grace is what brought that about, the forgiveness of our sin, the redemption that we have. And then look at verse 8. Which he lavished upon us. Isn't that a great word? Don't you love that word, lavished? It's like heaped on. You know, think of your, your grandma fixing you that wonderful uh, Sunday dinner, and you had that nice fried chicken, and you had those green beans and rolls, and you had mashed potatoes, and she said, you want some gravy sugar? And you said, yes, grandma, and she just kept heaping it on, right? Just gravy after gravy after gravy. It, it's kind of that image. It's that image. Can you tell I'm doing Whole30? I'm really, really, really hungry. But it's, it's kind of that image. It's just, it's just pouring out on, lavishing out, just dollop after dollop of goodness, just blessing after blessing. He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. What that means is He has brought you and me, the worms that we are, He has brought us into the counsel of His will. What was previously mystery for hundreds and thousands of years He has made known to us. He said, hey, you want to know what I'm doing? You want to know what my plan is? Here, let me tell you. 
all that was, was kept from people throughout the ages, people that longed to understand what God was doing. The Bible says things that angels even longed to look into, He has made known to you and me. He's pulled back the veil. He said, I don't want to hide anything from you. I want to reveal to you my heart and my mind. I want you to know my will. That's what He's done for us in Christ. Verse 11. In Him, there's another place to underline, highlight, circle. In Him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. He's talking about the Jewish nation. Remember, salvation is to the Jew and also to the Greek, the Bible says. He's saying those of us who were first to hope in Christ, we, we understood these things. We, we were partakers of this thing, these things. But look at what else it says. Verse 13, in Him you also, that's all of us. That's everybody else. To the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. That's all of us. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you ready for this? Were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That means there's proof of ownership on your life. That means if you come to Christ and you receive Him as Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit, very God, puts His signet ring seal on your life and that says, that's mine. This one's mine. So when the enemy comes against you and he comes to the Father and accuses you and says, how can that person really be your child? How could you love them? How can your favor really rest on them? Jesus pleads your case and he says, because I died for them. My blood covers them. They have received the payment of my blood on their life for their salvation. And what's more, the Holy Spirit who I've sent has his seal on their life. You can't touch them and you can't remove the seal. It's a permanent engraving on the very heart and mind of everyone who is in Christ. And then this, this Holy Spirit who is our seal of all the inheritance of heaven and glory and perfection that awaits us. Look, verse 14. Who is the guarantee or down payment, deposit of our inheritance so in other words, he's, he's actually put down payment. He's not just put his seal on you. He's actually paid for the rights over you. He, he's put down money in the game. He's put down a, a stake of ownership in you. He's the guarantee of our inheritance, that promised inheritance that's to come until we acquire possession of it, which is all according to God's perfect timing and His plan. To the praise of His glory, which we should do now in all things, in every area of our life. Christian, what that means is all these things that we just read and looked at together that is true of you in Christ. The whole result of all that, all that should be cascading all of us to this point where everything about us exists for the praise and the glory of the name of our Savior. That means every aspect of our identity 
is wrapped up in Him and for Him. And all that we are is funneled through all that we are in Him. And we do everything we do. And we are everything we are all for His glory and His praise in response to all that He's made true of us. There is no greater news than the good news of Christ and all that it makes true for you and me. And what that also means for us is this. What we base our identity on determines how we live. And I would add, whom we live it for. What we base our identity on determines and it dictates and it drives how we go about living our life every day, every moment. And it also determines and dictates to whom we live it. Whether we live it for ourselves or others or to Jesus, the one who gave his life to make us the very sons and daughters of God and to give us this amazing reality that we just read about in Ephesians 1. And there's more than just that. That's, that's just a picture the, the Bible is full, the, the New Testament especially, Paul's writings especially, of all that is true of you in Jesus. And that should inform and drive and, and dictate how we live. And the, all, the other thing that that means for us as we, as we look at our identity in Christ, remember in the beginning we talked about spiritual amnesia, how we all struggle with spiritual amnesia, you know? Well, the only way to cure our spiritual amnesia, which we all struggle with, is looking to Christ, seeing all that He makes true of us. And you're going to find it in His Word. That's why we have to be in His Word. Seeing all He makes true of us, believing it, believing that what God's Word says of you is true of you, believing it, and then applying it to every area of your life. Not segmented, and compartmentalized, but every area of life, everything that makes you you, means you see it through and, and you, you live it through the lens and the reality of who you are in Christ, His identity over you and, and through you and your identity in Him. And the good news is we don't have to do this on our own by our own effort or strength. The Holy Spirit which is that guarantee of our inheritance, that seal on our life, the Holy Spirit we've received through Christ, He will empower us and enable us to do exactly that. He will empower us to keep seeing our identity through Christ and in Him. And let's pray right now, and let me pray for you, that you will know and experience that power. I'm going to pray for all of us that, that we will enjoy and, and embrace the very power of the Spirit of God to view our identity in Christ, to see our identity as one who is in Christ, and to know and believe that all that He says about us is true of us if we're in Him. I'm going to pray that for you. Everybody, um, just in a, in a posture, an attitude of prayer, um, before I pray in that way, I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't give you the opportunity to respond to Jesus, to actually uh, step into the identity in Christ that we're talking about if you haven't done that. 
So maybe you're here and you've, you've heard this message today and you liked what you heard and you've heard others similar to it and you've heard people talk about identity in Jesus and being found in Jesus and it's never really made sense, but maybe, hopefully, today it has. But you know that's not true of you. You know the real you is not one that's in Jesus. Your identity is not, it's not Christ because you don't have Him in your life. I just wonder... Is there anybody who would say, Pastor, that's me, and I want to come to Christ. I want to know His identity as my identity. I want to be found in Him. I want, to, I want everything that you just read to be true of me. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody who would say, yeah, that's me. Pray for me in that way. I'd love to do it. Anybody at all? Okay, and you know what? Um, you don't have to raise your hand and say, yeah, pray for me in that way. Um, but please know I'm available to you to talk with you one-on-one if you'd rather do it that way. If you want to catch me after the service and say, hey, can we talk more about that? I would love to do that with you, okay? So I'm available, all right? Let's pray. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for me. And then we're going to uh, end our time together praising the one that we just talked about and uh, singing about that reality that we've just been talking about from God's Word. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Thank You for the reality that we have in Jesus. Thank You for what He makes true of us that no one else could make true. Thank You that what Jesus makes true of us and the reality that we have in Him and through Him, no one else can take away from us. Not even our our enemy, Satan. Thank You for, though we have no way of deserving it, that we have no way of earning Uh, this incredible favor and unbelievable reality that we have in Jesus, you've given it to us. All because He paid for that with His life. It's free to us because it cost Him everything. And in response, help us to give You our everything. Help us to give You our all. To hold nothing back. Keep us from separating different aspects of our life and our identity. Help us every aspect of our identity, our whole person, to be wrapped up in who Jesus is, in what we are in Him, and then living out life for Him. Help us, I pray, by Your Spirit, because we can't do this on our own. You know that. That's why You gave us Your Spirit, not just as our seal, not just as the guarantee of our inheritance, but as the power we need every day. Thank You. In Jesus' name, amen.